I'm Trevor Cummings, and these are my thoughts on money. Hello, and welcome to Thoughts on Money, what we like to call Tom. My name is Sean Latimer. I'm going to be your host today. Our own Trevor Cummings is out because he and his beautiful wife, Nicole, had a baby girl named Ruthie. So he will be out. But do not worry, because today I have a special guest with me. I'd like to introduce the Director of Financial Planning for the Bonson Group, Joseph Klein. Thanks for having me, Sean. It's weird calling you Joseph because I call you Joe, but welcome. I'm very happy to have you here with me today. Thanks. It is good to be here, and we wish Trevor and Nicole and Ruthie all the best. So, Absolutely. So we do still uh, give kudos to Trevor because he wrote a great article this week that Joe and I are going to talk about, and the name of it is Just One Word. The idea is he wanted to ask people in the office, what is the single most important word in personal finance? Which he does kind of say it's it's an unfair question because how would you put together such a complex topic in just one word? But I think he did a pretty good job because when he asked me, I, I had an idea what it was about and I, I'm glad that he brought it up because people have a different idea of what personal finance means to them. And we have the advantage of dealing with clients all the time. So we probably get to think about it more than the average person. But I'd be curious for us to do something like this for clients or, or maybe even our family and friends, you know. But uh, what did you think of the article? I was a fan of the question when it first came into my inbox. And it was early in the morning because Trevor likes to start really early. And I start just a smidge after him. And I was thinking about it for more than the 30 seconds it took me to reply because I followed the instructions and only actually said one word. My word was discipline. And it was really cool to me to see the whole list and see some of the repeat names and then all of the individual names, but some of the themes that went together and the blend between not just the practical words like investing, savings, planning, goals, but the feelings, trust, clarity, security, humility, the blend of not just the practical, but there's also an emotional component too. That's so true. And how is it... How is someone not supposed to get emotional when it comes to their lifetime savings or their financial security for their family for the rest of their life if something were to happen to them? So, uh, no, it's very true. It's not a quantitative process where what's the best rate of return? Oh, then I'm going to pick option A. Easy peasy. Moving on. Realistically, I I like this exercise because when I first read it, and I hate giving this answer, but it does apply all the time. But the first thing that came to mind is like, well, it depends. It depends who you're talking to. What are their objectives? What's the goal? What's the purpose of the money? Because all those answers are going to be different. But if I really narrowed it down to one thing, uh, my word was trust. And because I believe that if you're doing your due diligence of hiring a group and you feel like they're competent and you know that they're going to be able to accomplish the goals that you're trying to get to, as far as how you do the planning or what type of details in the allocation or what percentages in stocks versus alternatives, that part you're going to be able to figure it out in a collaborative effort either way, but you have to start with trust or you won't get to that part. If someone comes to you with glossy pages and says, we're so great at investment management, hire us, but there's no trust, it doesn't really matter because then the first time that there's any type of disarray or volatility, you might start to lose trust. And if you can't stick, I mean, I'm preaching the choir, you do plans all day long, but if you can't stick to the plan, it's not going to work, right? What, What was your kind of thought on this first paragraph where he talked about the, the thoughts of contentment and good investment behavior. It goes back to what you said about trust and trust being a backbone between the client advisor relationship. If you feel like you can believe in the person giving you the advice and you can stay the course, you don't have to worry as much. 
And I think the anxiety, the worry, particularly when someone's you know life savings goes from a bigger number to a smaller number, and they didn't do anything. It just happens. To stay the course and not worry so much, I think it takes it takes some of that anxiety off the table for them. It allows them to enjoy what they want to enjoy, whether it's their profession, their family, their friends, their spiritual nature. But it goes back to trust and who they're working with. That's so true. You know, it, it's interesting. There's a lot of psychology when it comes to investing because when you work with clients earlier in their career, they kind of put their head down. They max out most of their uh, categories to save. They're not really thinking about the market because they're thinking, oh, it's so far away. And they just keep saving, keep saving, and it compounds and grows. And then something happens. You know, as they get closer to that next chapter in life, they start to have uh, that anxiety build up where it's a bigger number now. And now I need this money. And oh my gosh, the last thing I want to do is make a mistake now. It's the worst thing that could happen. But uh, interestingly enough, when someone's in their 50s, 60s, 70s looking to retire, I think they forget that they still need that money to last another 10, 20, 30 years. And uh, and that can be kind of a scary concept. Uh, one, one analogy I heard when I first started in the business is uh, saving for retirement is a lot like climbing Mount Everest. And I kind of rolled my eyes at first, but I stuck with it. And they say, you know, climbing Mount Everest is dangerous and difficult and all these things, but it's actually more dangerous coming down the mountain after you reach the top. And I thought about that and I'm like, wow, it is kind of true. You saved your whole life. You have this nest egg. You've been a prudent spender, done all the right things. And now you have to figure out, okay, how do I pay for this lifestyle? And let's say, you know, my wife expected to outlive me. How do I pay for this for the next 30, 35 years? What account do I take from first? When do I spend less? When do I spend more? And kind of like what you were talking about, that worry it can weigh on you for a long period of time. And the funny thing about our industry is a lot of things are out of our control. We cannot control what the investment returns are going to be on a year-by-year basis. Can't control interest rates. Can't control inflation. So when you have so many things out of your control, it is not fair to blame yourself or worry on a day-to-day basis. What do you think? I put discipline as my favorite word as really to stay the course and actually listen to advice as part of the discipline component. Yeah, there are things that you can control in discipline. How much you spend? Do you work a year or two or three longer? Um, plenty of other things under discipline that one can control, but there's plenty of it that, it can, that you can't, as you, as you pointed out. But can you be disciplined enough to stay the course, listen to the advice, do the best thing for yourself, your family, so that's why I chose discipline and to your point about staying on the course, that's why. Yeah. I'm so glad you said that too, because Trevor also mentioned, you know, when they did that study about happiness and one of the key reasons is if people have lower expectations, it's easier for them to be happy, which makes sense because anytime, and I'm sure you could think of uh, times that it's happened in your life, not even about finance, but you get your hopes up, you get excited about something, you can't wait, you know, the big game, the big weekend, whatever it might be. And, and then something doesn't go according to plan and it just deflates you, right? And almost to the point where you don't remember the good things that did happen. You just remember that, oh, it's supposed to be this, but it didn't pan out, right? And I do think of that as he talks about setting expectations and clarity. It's so true. You know, if you look back and, and if you say, oh, stocks have returned, you know, eight, averaged 8 to 10% over the last 60 years, well, then that's what people are going to expect. But he also points out that that's only happened in a couple occasions, you don't have those exact numbers on a year-by-year basis. All those charts that we look at, they're definitely not linear, right? It is really important to make sure that you set 
realistic expectations, and that way you aren't disappointed. I, I know that you run plans every day, and you're toggling numbers and making sure that plans work for clients. You probably know more about setting expectations than me at this point. What What's that conversation look like? We try to remind them that you're right, it's not a straight line, and that the projection is a median, but we know it's never going to be that. And I like to use the analogy of like, a, you know, life, your financial life is a long, windy road. And this financial component is just part of it. But that we build financial plans as a roadmap, but there are guardrails on either side of the road. And the client, you pick your lane, sometimes you're gonna be in the left lane, sometimes in the middle, sometimes in the right. But our job is to make sure that you stay on the road. And that's what your advisor is there for to stay on the road. And that's what the, at the Bonson Group, while we have a robust planning department to work alongside the advisor and the, and the client to help build that roadmap. And it's something we keep checking in on. Are you still on the road? Do you like where the road is going? Maybe you do. That's great. Maybe you don't. We change it. Uh, that's, that's my day to day in a long windy road analogy. I'm just picturing some like windy road going up a mountain, stormy weather, and you like telling them it's going to be okay. <laughs> Turn up the windshield wiper. Yeah, exactly. Well, it, and it is interesting because uh, sticking with the plan, it, people always think right away like, oh, when things are going bad, which is true. I mean, when, when equity markets are down, you know, 30, 40%, and you're looking at a portion of your portfolio and you're going, oh my gosh, what's happening? But that discipline and that patience, it's required on both sides. You wouldn't believe how many times markets are, you know, doing great and they're rallying and they look at me and they go, well, why do we own this? Why do we own that? Should we be rebalancing and, and kind of pouring on the winners? Like, why would we wait? And it's interesting because those will be the same people that when things are not going well, they're like, oh my gosh, why do we own these stocks? They're down. And and that's actually when you should be adding. You should lean into the pain. That's the best time to rebalance. Uh, so it, it is counterintuitive and it does require a little bit of handholding. And, and I don't mean that in a derogatory term. I, I know uh, plenty of experienced investors that have been shaken from time to time because the markets are unpredictable. And that's why you cannot time markets. So uh, sticking to the plan during good times and bad times is, I would say, most important. Yeah, the both, both sides of that. Because in a downturn, I look at someone's financial plan and they're worried about spending what they thought they could spend. And it's you probably can still spend this. You don't have to cut all the way back if your plan was clearly not something that needed it. But it works on the other end too. If things are, are great, do you just ratchet up the spending? You might have some areas of give and take there. Yeah. Usually we build some cushions there. Again, having wide guardrails and you can drive in the middle lane for a really long time. But if you start to move off the ramp, there's only so much that you can take and it's easy to do that in a good market too. It's just not the investment behavior, it's the lifestyle behavior uh, that more happens in, in, in good markets. And then when things go bad, people worry about it again, which is totally understandable, it's human nature, uh, but it does go both ways. That's so true. I tell a lot of people that providing financial advice is kind of the perfect balance between um, you know, science and, I don't wanna say, I guess trust. That's probably the best way to do it because realistically, the science, we may look at a plan and we say, oh, the client needs a, an average rate of return of X percent to get to their goal. But based off their risk tolerance and based off the conversations I've had with them, they are not going to be able to uh, be okay with a 25% drawdown. 
So you have to meet somewhere in the middle where it's art and science. That's the word I was looking for earlier. Because the science says, hey, this is the allocation you need. Whether you're comfortable or not, you haven't saved enough. This is what you need. But you can't just tell someone that. Because what do we both know? They're not going to stick with the plan during tough times, right? So if we know that to be true, you definitely have to do some educating in the front side to explain why this is the allocation that you need. You don't just sit there and say, well, they said they're risk adverse, so we're going to put them in all T-bills and they're, they're going to run out of money. That's not giving good financial advice, right? No. And I'm sure you've had to be the bearer of bad news at times where, and you mentioned it earlier on the podcast, where you had to tell someone, hey, you might have to work two more years. That's got to be tough news to give, right? It is. But it goes back to one of the central words in this in this article that Trevor wrote, which is expectations. And if we tell someone they want to retire at 60, never work again, but they're going to run out of money at 85 or 90, I don't think that's a good idea. Yeah. And if you could show them and set the expectation that by working another two more years, you provide this much more financial security for yourself and your family, there's an expectation. And it comes back to the expectation. It's to me, there's never a no when I do financial planning. It's how, which is also a Trevor's favorite. I think he said it was his favorite word in this piece. How? And yeah. there's pretty much always a how for when we do a financial plan and we achieve, and we're looking at what the client's objectives are and how do we achieve them. Plenty of times the how is easy because they've already done the work. They've already saved enough. They've already accumulated enough. They already have figured out their estate plan. They're already adequately insured. They've checked a lot of those boxes already with their advisor or have happened to do it over the, the course of their career. But then there are instances where it's not easy. But the answer is not no. It's just here's how. And some of those conversations are uncomfortable when it's in the example you gave someone who wants to retire and if they want to retire and not run out of money by, you know, 85 or 90, here's how it's not retire at 60, it's retire at 62 or 65. So to me, the how is really instrumental to get somebody there. And sometimes it's easy and sometimes it's a little harder. Yeah. And if you're listening to this and you're, you're saying, well, like, how, how do I know what my expectations should be? And how do I know when I'm going to retire? And I'm still planning on working for 15 more years. And there's a lot of variables. And so give yourself a little grace. You know, the, a lot of this information, when we're projecting out 15, 20, 30 years, it's an educated guess based off history. Remember that what your expenses may look like in 15 years may look very different than what you think right now. You may have some sort of, some sort of big changes in the future that would even ch- change that number. Another thing to keep in mind is as you do approach retirement, retirement is very fluid. Um, if you are planning on traveling and, and making memories the first you know, 10 years or so, maybe you're not traveling or spending as much money in the next 10 years. Or if there is some sort of economic disruption or big market correction or something like that, and that was the same year you were expecting to spend extra or buy make a new purchase, maybe you uh, pump the brakes and you decide to do it the next year. You know, those decisions are those prudent decisions helped you save and get to the position that you're in now. It's not like you just become a, 
a drunken spender in retirement and throw caution to the wind and I don't care if I run out of money, realistically, that's not going to happen. So keep in mind that those decisions you make through retirement will make the plan more sustainable as well. I still haven't come across a client that told me, I want to run out of money. No, well, they don't try to. <laughs> no, I'm still waiting, waiting for that one to happen the same way clients, I've never heard a client say, I want to pay a state tax. Um, I think back to the, the road analogy, sometimes things just need a change or you need to wait, you know, one more year. You mentioned earlier too that uh, the word clarity, you really liked it and you wanted to talk about estate planning a little bit. Maybe now would be a good time to dive into that. I often find when we talk to clients about their estate plan, often, not always, but often, they don't really know. It's confusing. It's complex. You pick up a document that was prepared by an attorney. You didn't write any of it. It's 50, 75, 100 pages, most of it written in legalese jargon. That, and I read these all the time, and there are plenty of times where I reread a paragraph over and over <laughs> and over again. And I think, I think I got this, but I do this all the time. Now, I'm not an attorney, but I read, the, I read a, a, a trust, a living trust, frequently. And when I first got into this kind of business, I would read these documents and go, holy cow, what is happening? Because what's crazy about a trust document is there'll be 100 pages and about four of them matter. Mm -hmm. But I don't. It, it's very difficult to piece through that document, finding the four pages that matter to what you probably are looking for, and then actually understanding what they mean. So back to clarity, clients deserve clarity not just with their investment portfolio with Sean, Trevor, you guys do really well, but also on what their estate plan is going to look like. And most trust documents don't come with a nice one, two-page diagram that's easy to read in plain English to understand. You have to piece through 50 to 100 pages to try to understand what it means. And oftentimes, I've found clients are surprised with what it says or that it's been so long they don't remember how it even functions because they, it hasn't been looked at for a number of years. So I think clients, you deserve clarity with what your estate plan is. Uh, your advisor can help you or at least point you in the right direction as someone who will give you clarity. Uh, and you know we do this in the family office in particular when there's multiple trusts, multiple beneficiaries, Sometimes money may stay in trust for not just until the beneficiary is 30 years old, but maybe forever is the idea to protect it for a variety of different reasons. But there's a lot of clarity that is needed there to build trust and confidence that someone's plan is going to be carried out after they're gone. You're not around to handle your estate plan. It's just by nature. It's after you're gone. So... I think there's a lot of power in having clarity around one's estate plan, uh, understanding how it works the same way, Sean, Trevor, you guys give clarity on how someone's investment portfolio works and why the market was down 10 and why the client's portfolio was down 8 or 12 or whatever it may be. Or if this environment were to happen, you would expect this to happen. I think that clarity and understanding what's going on just builds confidence and goes back to happiness. One less thing for someone to have to worry about. So true. Yeah, it's interesting. How, how many times have you come across uh, 
estate planning documents and that the most basic question is, hey, if something were to happen today, what's the purpose of this money? Where do you want it to go? What is it supposed to do? And then you get answers, right? Oh, I want to make sure my kids are taken care of. I want to make sure the mortgage is paid off. I want to make sure this happens, that happens. And then you look and you go, okay, well, let me explain to you what, what is going to happen as of now because none of those things are set up. And uh, it can be an eye-opening experience for a client to realize that, hey, there, you need to get a little buttoned up here. But once you do, it does kind of provide that peace of mind and uh, it, it makes it a lot easier for them to move forward. Uh, I think another thing to keep in mind too is all this goes back to expectations. So w- when people approach the Bonson Group, we, we make it really clear that we do care a lot about the investment management process, but we also care a lot about the financial planning. I mean, we, we go through a checklist with clients to make sure that these things are buttoned up. And uh, I, I can personally tell you that it makes my job a lot easier because they know that we're looking out for them in all those different aspects, not just are the investments going up and down, right? There's so much more to one's financial life than what's in their investment portfolio. You can build all of this wealth, but then if it ends up in the wrong place, it's like, what was the point? Yeah. So back to that, the number of times I talk to a client that they want X, Y, Z to happen to their money when it's, when as Trevor usually says, their you know tour of duty is complete. It needs to go to the right place. And too often I've found someone wants a charitable bequest, for example, and it it's not part of the plan. And things like that need to be buttoned up. And that's why you have great advisors here to steer you back on the road. That was a very uh, nice thing to say. A little plug for Bonson Group Advisors. But uh, one thing that stuck out to me in Trevor's article was that defense wins championships. And it's true. And defense for you is going to be setting realistic expectations and making sure that uh, you are content with the plan. That doesn't mean that, like you said, that doesn't mean that you take your eye off the ball and you don't pay attention, you stick your head in the sand. But it does mean that once you create the plan, the allocation, the financial plan, it's there and it's supposed to withstand good times and bad times. So don't second guess yourself. It's okay if you change your mind at some point, but just make sure you're not doing it out of emotion. Make sure you're doing it because circumstances changed. So with that, we will ask you to rate the podcast. Uh, Five stars are always preferred. If you do have any questions or topics, or if you'd like to reach out to Joe, myself, or Trevor, you can email us at tom at thebonsongroup.com. That's T-O-M at thebonsongroup.com. And we will be back with Trevor next week with more of our Thoughts on Money. The Bonson Group is registered with Hightower Securities, LLC, member FINRA and SIPC, and with Hightower Advisors, LLC, a registered investment advisor with the SEC. Securities are offered through Hightower Securities, LLC. Advisory services are offered through Hightower Advisors, LLC. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities. No investment process is free of risk, and there is no guarantee that the investment process or the investment opportunities referenced herein will be profitable. Past performance is not indicative of current or future performance and is not a guarantee. The investment opportunities referenced herein may not be suitable for all investors. All data and information referenced herein are from sources believed to be reliable. Any opinions, news, research, analysis, prices, or other information contained in this research is provided as general market commentary. It does not constitute investment advice. 
The team and Hightower shall not in any way be liable for claims and make no expressed or implied representations or warranties as to the accuracy or completeness of the data and other information, or for statements or errors contained in or omissions from the obtained data and information referenced herein. The data and information are provided as of the date referenced. Such data and information are subject to change without notice. This podcast was created for informational purposes only. The opinions expressed are solely those of the team and do not represent those of Hightower Advisors, LLC, or any of its affiliates. Hightower Advisors do not provide tax or legal advice. This material was not intended or written to be used or presented to any entity as tax advice or tax information. Tax laws vary based on the client's individual circumstances and can change at any time without notice. Clients are urged to consult their tax or legal advisor before establishing a retirement plan.